Superhumanize. Accelerated evolution. Welcome back to another episode of the Superhumanized podcast, the podcast that explores the extraordinary potential within each of us. Today, we have an exceptional guest who will take us on a transformative journey towards holistic wellness and self-discovery. Joining us is Joni Dittrich, PhD, also known as Raja Ma, a revered teacher of meditation, yogic wisdom, and holistic wellness. Raja Ma's expertise extends to four Reiki lineages, making her a true master in the field. Her profound understanding of healing as a practice rooted in boundless, unconditional love and self-realization sets her apart as an extraordinary spiritual guide with a deep-seated belief in healing from within. Raja Ma's journey began with her fascination for the healings of Jesus and the Bible. Her academic achievements further enriched her spiritual pursuits, graduating from the University of Michigan with a degree in world religious studies, studying theology at Vanderbilt University, and obtaining a master's degree in human development counseling. Continuing her quest, she earned her PhD in psychology from the University of Memphis and went on to serve as a clinical psychologist for over 30 years in Napa, California. The call of her heart eventually led Raja Ma to dedicate her life entirely to the Wisdom School Kula, her yogic studies, and spiritual sadhana. In this episode, we will delve into her profound wisdom and transformative experiences, exploring her role as the founder of the Wisdom School. We will also discover the principles underlying Kaliki Reiki, a powerful healing modality that Raja Ma has passionately developed. Join us as we explore the realms of self-healing, spiritual growth, and the unlocking of our true divine potential. I'm Ariana Summer, and I have passionately dedicated the last 12 years of my life to creating the ultimate human experience mentally, physically, and spiritually based on the most powerful ancient teachings and cutting-edge modern discoveries and technologies. The Superhumanized Podcast is a show committed to sharing what I have learned from the world's leading experts in order to help you achieve your full potential and create your best life ever. Raja Shreema, welcome to the Superhumanized podcast. It is truly a pleasure to connect with you today. Thank you, Ariana, and it is mutual. I'm delighted to be here and to be with you. You have a an amazing and inspiring mission. You are a person who has discovered her deep purpose at a really interesting time in your life. And Raja Shreema, I would love for you to give our audience a little bit of your backstory because your life before today was, on paper at least, very different. You had a thriving psychotherapy practice. You were married. You were at the height of your success, so to speak, especially looking in from the outside and we're from looking in from within the paradigm of our current culture. Can you tell us about your life's journey and how it got you to where you are today? 
I'm happy to say as much as I can weave together today because that's what my life journey and I think almost everyone's is. We have different stages, different phases, and at some point it all just weaves together. And then at some points along the way, it seems like those threads are just loose and all over the place. And so, yeah, the story for me, and as I tell it in the book, actually, it starts so long ago when I was just a child and I was reading the Bible for the first time. And I recognized in there that kind of different from what I had been taught in church, what Jesus really seemed to spend his time doing, right, was healing people. And I was so inspired by that. And this was back in the early 60s. And I asked my 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 minister um, about this. I said, so Jesus did all this healing work. Can we do this? And he looked at me and he said, Joni, we have medical science now, so we don't need to do that. And it was just a real shutdown in a certain way, because I had felt this calling of Reiki, energy healing, whatever we want to call it. But I stuffed that down as we do so many things and just went on about my life. But healing was always important. And so then that's when I eventually, actually, I studied Buddhism and world religions in college and thought to go on and get a doctorate in religion. And I actually did do divinity school for a while to become a minister. But again, I chose the straight and narrow, and I decided to get my doctorate in psychology to be a psychotherapist. And I spent 30 plus years in practice doing that work, and I loved it. And I was good at it, and it helped so many people. But always, it just felt like something was missing. And Not only that, I had a deep practice of yoga. I had a deep practice of meditation. And this was really before transpersonal psychology had taken root in our culture. And I just had to figure something out. And I knew I still wanted to do healing. So it took me a while to find someone who could train me in Reiki healing to an extent that I really wanted the deep training. And when I did, it was absolutely wonderful and magical, and I knew life would be different. And I was very frustrated that I couldn't do this work with my psychotherapy clients, right? You don't touch people in psychotherapy. And that's not what a lot of people come for anyway. They want to talk. But I felt like talking had its limits, and that there was really something more that could happen. So I became a Reiki master and I kept it a little hidden and just worked with friends and relatives on the side until I was doing some deep meditation practices. And suddenly there was Divine Mother showing up for me. And she gave me these symbols that you know about from the book that were clearly meant as Reiki symbols. And she gave me the message that I needed to bring this out into the world. So I spent several years 
working with these symbols, not being sure, having small groups that I would work with, giving some people the Reiki training, but still not making it all that public. I wanted to be certain. I wanted to be sure. And yet she kept showing up and she kept giving me more symbols. And finally, we did, I, by this time, I did have a school, a Reiki school here in Napa, California. And I did let go of my psychology license because this was the work that I was called to do. And eventually she said, now you got to write the book. And so here we are. Mm -hmm. Thank you for giving us this overview. And you wrote a really fascinating book, May the Love Force Be With You, Tali Kireiki, Healing Through Divine Mother and Yogic Wisdom. And we're going to do a deeper dive into that as well during this conversation. There's, It's a fantastic book. It's really in-depth. You learn so much. And I want to at least touch on a few of the focus points to whet the appetite of the audience to go and learn more themselves by actually reading your book if they so feel called. I'm pretty certain that quite a good amount of people in the audience are at least vaguely familiar with the term Reiki, if not have experienced it, or maybe even are practitioners. However, for those who are not familiar with it, can you tell us what exactly Reiki is? Sure. In essence, it's energy healing. So it's healing through activating the life force energy. And the word Reiki, it's a Japanese word. Actually, it's related to shamanic practices in Japan. But Reiki means the supreme life force energy. Rei, royal, Qi, life force energy, like Qi or prana. And so that's what Reiki is. So Reiki is both the energy and the practice. Yeah. So I was trained in we'll call it classical Reiki, that was that came into this plane, this world, around 1900 through a Buddhist monk named Ukao, Makao Usui. <laughs> and Reiki practitioners have been working through symbols. So we use symbols to activate the Reiki, and we use symbols to transmit the Reiki. And so these symbols have been used now for over 120 years, and they're amazing. They, the use of the symbols in Reiki helps us as practitioners, if we place our hands or send Reiki to someone, that we're not giving them our energy. We're a channel of that energy, and we're not absorbing their energy. We're just activating their energy so that their system can balance their whole system, physical, emotional, mental, spiritual, the psychic intuitive part of ourselves. So, what is different about or new with Kali Ki Reiki is that, first of all, it was brought into this plane of existence in this century, the early part of this century, so a hundred years later. It was brought in through a female form, and it was brought in really with a basis in the yogic tradition, but it's interspiritual. It's a, it's about unity. It's about the oneness. Hmm. And then with a new set of symbols. And these symbols are like dancing forms of light. And these symbols are used to both activate the Reiki energy and to transmit it and awaken it in 
whoever is receiving it so that they can get whatever kind of healing it is that they need. And then the beauty of this system, and it's not to say that isn't the case of classical Reiki, but in a different way, these symbols are also understood as ways of helping us to awaken what we call wisening, our wisening, our process of really coming to that understanding that everything is one. So we don't call it, we, we it's still Reiki, it's Kaliki Reiki. It, it's basically the same energy, but we don't even call it life force anymore. We call it love force because that's the essence, the source of all that is. Yes, and I love the words used to describe this system, this practice, this that you that's your offering. And I particularly have taken to the word wisening. That's really beautiful. And I want to talk in more detail about that as well. So what I think is really important for at least part of the audience is to also talk about the the validity of Reiki. So how does it actually heal? You already touched upon this. And how does science explain that Reiki works? This so we can set the stage for a deeper conversation. Yeah. Um, yeah. For those people who are just more science-minded and have not really been in touch with the modalities yet. So the skeptics will say, you can't measure this thing called Reiki. You can't measure this love force. How do you know that when somebody does a Reiki healing, that's why people get better? There are a lot of things that we can't measure in this world. We can't even measure love. Everyone knows it exists. And basically, that is the energy of this Reiki love force. No, we can't measure Reiki as a force, whereas we've gotten to the place where we can measure gravity, etc. We can't see gravity. We can't hold it. It's intangible, but we measure it by its effects. And same thing with Reiki. And so when it has been put to scientific tests, and there are a lot of them out there, there are clearly positive results, significant positive results. And so Reiki is now even being used in some hospitals. It helps to treat when people have chemotherapy side effects, it helps with those. It's used in burn clinics because it helps wound and wound healing. It helps wounds to heal more quickly. It helps to lower blood pressure. There are many things that it has been shown to do. Still, there are those people that say, yeah, there aren't enough studies and all of that. Why aren't there a lot of studies? Because what we know is most of the studies are done by big pharma or funded by big pharma. And why would a corporation want to fund a treatment that doesn't cost anything, that you can't bottle and sell as a commodity? So unfortunately, there hasn't been quite as much research as we'd like to see, but the good research that has been done definitely shows many benefits. And from your personal experience, Raja Freema, can you share a healing story that has particularly touched you? One of the one of the most beautiful ways in which I feel Reiki is helpful 
is in helping people make that transition when they've got chronic illness from death into the next stage, whatever that may be. And so we find it very helpful to help people that are at these end stages and also their families who are often worried and afraid. And so it it incredibly reduces fear. And I think that's because almost anyone who receives Reiki, if they have no other experience, they feel much more relaxed. So it helps to relax people. It's a profound kind of relaxation. But I think there's more to it than that. When you experience a Reiki healing, you're experiencing something very profound without manipulation, right? It's not massage. It's not pressure points. It's not acupuncture. It's certainly not surgery. So there's no manipulation. It's not a chemical. It's not something you swallow. It's not something you inhale. It's just something that's within you. And then it's only a very light touch or it's a distance. Like we can do this online and it's still very powerful. And so when a person has this experience of healing taking place, when nothing physical seems to have happened, this is the wisening actually, Ariana, right? It's it changes consciousness. It transforms consciousness. It's, oh, my goodness. There really is much that is outside of this physical realm. And that allows people to have so much peace when they're moving to transition. I'm not actually giving you a story. I've got lots of stories about people transitioning, but that's the explanation. If you want, I can give you stories as well. But that's actually really beautiful and really profound, Raja Shrima. And the absolute transformation of one's state of being and how one relates to to life, to death, to what this all is or means and what one's place is within that framework. You've been a healer. You've had the desire to heal, as you shared with us, since you were a very young girl, and you've been a healer in different forms for pretty much most of your life, a large part of your life. Is there something particular that you have learned from when wounds, whichever form they have, emotional, spiritual, mental, other forms that you may have encountered, is there something particular you learned from wound healing? I could take up our entire time talking about that. But in the opening of my book, I have a just a one-line quote from the poet Rumi. And it's, the wound is the place where the light enters. And so I think so many of us that work with trauma, and I think you do this as well, Ariana, we understand that oftentimes it's through our wounding, whether it's physical, emotional, childhood trauma, even past life, ancestral trauma, right? It's when, sometimes it's when we hurt so bad that we don't know where else to turn, right? That's when we're actually ripe for this wisening. 
And this is what I've seen again and again. This is true for psychotherapy, right? So many people, they'll put it off and put it off until they're just hurting that badly. And this is also the case for Reiki, especially the skeptics. I've had people that just, they just roll their eyes, but let's say their family member brings them in because they're desperate. They've tried everything. They've done all these different treatments. They don't know what else to do. And so they say, okay, I'll go and get this woo-woo stuff. Right? <laughs> and then they have a session and their pain is mitigated. Sometimes it goes away altogether. And they have such an experience of peace. Maybe they have a, a mystical vision, a celestial vision, and everything has changed. That's because the wound was so deep. They finally let go of all the coverings on the ego defenses and all of that. So yeah. And then I actually have a whole section in my book about wound healing, physical wound healing, and how it is that if we just get a little laceration, we may want to clean it a little bit. But the skin just naturally comes together. It's really miraculous, isn't it? How a cut heals. It just does. That's what it wants to do. And so in general, this is what Reiki does. It activates the energies in the system so that our natural healing processes come to the fore. And so that's one of the ways, I think, in which Reiki heals on the physical level. And then, of course, we know sometimes a wound is very deep. And if the skin heals without whatever is in there being cleaned out or sometimes removed, if it's an object in there that needs to be removed, if that just happens, then there can be a terrible infection. Mm -hmm. So similarly in Reiki, sometimes all we need is that deep relaxation and things come together, harmonize. And sometimes, however, we need to go a little deeper and something needs to be released, taken out, so to speak. And I'm talking energetically, but this is what happens. So sometimes people might come, they might get tearful, they might have a sad memory. And we do specifically work with trauma, so we work with traumatic memories and things like that. But it's all done. Beautiful sense of being contained and safe and just with all it's done with so much love it's just phenomenal so we talk about release then ease and in your book you also talk about this the concept of karmic knots uh, you mentioned past lives just a little while ago can you talk a bit more about that Raja Shreema please Absolutely. So Kaliki Reiki really is very much steeped in, in yogic philosophy and yogic tradition. We really believe that we come into this life with a certain karma, and we're constantly creating karmas in this life. And those karmas get so tangled up that they create physical knots and various things in our systems, right? And so Reiki is so amazing in that to have this beautiful energy applied, these symbols working, it, it's like things just untangle 
and what was all knotted up falls apart. And sometimes there's a memory, sometimes there's a past life memory, and it comes up, but it just dissipates. And so it's one of the sweetest and gentlest ways, I think, but very powerful of having these kind of karmic releases. And sometimes it happens when there is a memory, sometimes there's not a memory. It it doesn't matter. There's just simply that that release. And then part of the wisening that takes place is, right, we begin to recognize our patterns that have contributed to this, our behavioral patterns. And we also begin to recognize our attachments and our identities. And we we learn to have fewer attachments to I'm this way and I'm that way and it's got to be this way and that kind of thing. You just said this type of healing, this love force is very gentle, yet also very powerful. And Kali Kireki, the symbols were revealed to you by the Divine Mother in her form as of Kali Ma. How did you actually experience the revelation of this divine feminine lineage, Reiki? Yeah. So I had already been doing a lot of study and had quite a bit of knowledge of the divine feminine in many forms of all, in all the traditions, Mary Magdalene, Mother Mary. And I was pretty well steeped in yoga and I understood about the very various goddesses in the Hindu tradition. But it's one thing to study these and have a sense or feeling for them. It's another thing to just have this force just show up. And she showed up, she showed up to me in many ways, in many forms, actually. So sometimes I would visually see her, there would be like a tactile experience. And then other times it was more just a kind of knowing. And sometimes it was very dramatic in the middle of a thunderstorm with all this lightning going and getting these messages and these voices and So sometimes it was very dramatic and powerful. Sometimes it was soft and sweet and gentle. And that's her in all her forms. And when I talk about Kali, sometimes it makes people nervous, right? Mm -hmm. Because in the West, Kali is thought of as the goddess of death, which is actually not even the case in the Hindu tradition. She's not the goddess of death. There is a god of death, Yama, but she is the goddess of transformation really of alchemy. Mm-hmm. And Kali Ma, Maha Kali, the great Kali, and this is true of all the goddesses in the tradition, she's considered to be all three of the great properties of creation, sustenance, mm-hmm. and dissolution. She gets, the, there's a big emphasis for her on the dissolution part, and she can be very fierce, the goddess of the Hindu mythology, like mothers can be, right? <laughs> but mostly she is Ma. She is the mother, and she loves her children. She cares for her children. And I talk in the book right now how she's just calling out to us and saying, children, would you please wake up? Take these signs I'm giving you with the earthquakes, with the floods, with the extreme weather and all of that, and understand that we need to live more in harmony, not just within our own systems, but with each other and, of course, with the earth. And I believe 
that the reason that that she brought these symbols into this dimension at this time is so that they can be used as a way for all of us collectively to heal. So not just for our individual healing, but for our collective healing. Yes. And what I think is really important, what you just mentioned, is this aspect of dissolution. Because oftentimes we witness it in our own lives. We hold on to certain behaviors, patterns, thought forms that clearly don't serve us. And even if our conscious mind is aware of that, it's still so difficult to let go. But let go is what we must in order to make space for the new and for what may actually be able to uplift us and move us forward. And so I find it so very interesting that the divine feminine showed up in this form of Mahakali to you, where dissolution, of course, is such a big part of the offerings that she brings. Talking about the divine feminine, in your experience, from your perspective, now, of course, this is a big question, but... Who is the Divine Feminine? (laughs) First of all, let me say that I just love how you articulated all that about dissolution and how absolutely it is we need to let go of the old, release before ease, and release things have to be let go of before we can build anew so often. So, yeah. So, who is she? She's you. She's me. She's... The entire creation or manifestation. And yes, we could say she's Mary, she's Saraswati, she's, yes, she's all of that. And she's not any one of that. But without getting too in-depth, in the yogic philosophy, we refer to the Brahman. And the Brahman is, it's the absolute. The Brahman is stillness, changeless, all-pervasive, pure consciousness. So it's pure awareness without any kind of personal characteristics. And actually, it's complete. There's no characteristics. So in Kali Ki Reiki, we refer to this as limitless love, that the source of everything is a kind of love that's not relational love. It's not a personal love. It's just what is. It's all that is. It's the force or the energy of that limitless love that kind of becomes an exhalation. And from that exhalation, everything manifests. Well, in in this way of thinking of it, She is that exhalation. She is, or you could even look at it as she's the exhalation, but she's also, she's the one that's breathing the life force into all of her creation. So we do a breath in pranayam, in Kali Ki Reiki, where we're breathing with Divine Mother. And it's as she inhales, we exhale. As she exhales, we inhale, and we're breathing with her. And yet, and it's like an infinity loop. And yet, we are one, because we are 
that we are her. Of course, our job as human beings is to recognize what we truly are. And yeah, yeah. And when we recognize that, then we recognize we are love. If we can recognize we are love, then maybe we can be love. And in being love, there's a whole new vibration that we all breathe together. Mm, beautiful. I would like to know, prior to your revelation, what role did the Divine Feminine play in your life? Yeah, like I said, I had studied and read about Mary Magdalene. And actually, it was after I first started having these encounters with Kalima that I actually did do pilgrimages to Europe to see the sites of Mary Magdalene, Black Madonna, and all that. But I had read about these, and I, but I would say that it was more of almost a almost like a socio-political way of understanding the divine feminine. It's God and God with a masculine pronoun just never worked for me. And then I understood like in yoga, there's Shiva and there's Shakti, the masculine and the feminine that work together inextricably, right? And always there. And it always made beautiful sense to me. And so I, I felt that very strongly that, and ultimately there is no masculine or feminine, right? In the limitless love that there is, that's not masculine or feminine. But that force, that creative energy, that's the energy of the divine mother, the divine feminine. And so I would say that I understood this and I felt it. I think when these experiences started happening, it was like then more and more I could live it. And that's actually my hope for people who really want to learn these symbols and go deep with it, that, th that they too can begin to live as that in, in our everyday world. And actually, that's what we consider mastery to be in, in Kali Ki Reiki. It's like, we become the Reiki. We become the life, the love force. Mm -hmm. And that's not to say that we still don't have all our, we have various issues and we work on them and we try to be as aware as we can. It, it's not perfection. That's actually really crucial, I think, for many to hear that it's not perfection that we're striving for here that mastery is becoming the Reiki. And just a minute ago, you mentioned the symbols again. I would like to learn more from you about the power of symbol and with regards to healing the physical and beyond the physical. Can you tell us about symbols and in particular the Reiki symbols? Yeah, okay. But just to start, everything is symbols. There, there's really nothing that's not a symbol. I'm looking at a screen and I'm looking, I'm going to call it at your face. I'm not seeing your face. I'm seeing an image on a screen and I'm identifying that as Ariana. So what I'm seeing is a symbol for what you are. Just we can look at our own Im image in a screen and we see, we see an appearance. That's not who we are. It's mm -hmm. not what we are. And so that's how symbols work, right? So this appearance that I'm looking at is symbolic of Ariana's 
energy, her beingness. And similarly, of course, we use symbols in order to communicate through words. Those are symbols, right? They're not the thing they're pointing to. And we use it, we use symbols all the time. So in, in words, in letters, in numbers, all of it. So I, I don't know that there's anything that's not in terms of how we perceive and cognize. So there's that. But these symbols that are healing symbols, they are, like I said, they're like dancing forms of light. And each symbol has its own shape and is constantly in motion, even though we might, we try to draw them on paper and they look still. But if you look carefully, hopefully you can see that they're multidimensional. They're not two-dimensional. Something's drawn on paper. They're not even three-dimensional. And so in Kaliki Reiki, we depict the symbols as white on a black background because we're trying to show how they're really light. There's that. And then each one of these symbols has a specific application for healing. So one symbol might be more a symbol that you would use when someone needs physical healing. Another symbol might be used when you want the complete calm. Another symbol might be used to help people to transition into the next realm. Another symbol might be to evoke angels and guides and things like that. We even have symbols for we we call it traveling through time and space for journeying. And so these different symbols have these different applications. And yet, each symbol is a, it's a whole within itself. So it's like these symbols are holographic images of the one, each one appearing slightly different, but all carrying the same qualities. And these the symbols, when we use them, Okay, so they help us to receive the energy and to transmit it outward to who who or whatever needs it, right? But it's like then that love force energy is being transmitted at a certain frequency is the best way to say it, a certain vibration, a certain frequency that is intended for whatever it is that the person needs. And again, these symbols also act as like transmitters and they also, they're protectors for us so that the energy doesn't come back at us that somebody's releasing. And then again, it just allows that person's sim, their, their, their system to harmonize and integrate in whatever way. Yeah, I find particularly interesting what you just mentioned, also the protective effect for the practitioner. That's probably something quite a few people who are listening to our conversation can relate to. And whether they are officially code healers working with whichever system, or it's just something that they've noticed they have a capacity to do or to channel healing, oftentimes it may feel really hard to not absorb release energy or energies that are just swirling around. Within your system, is there a particular symbol that you would consider especially protective for the practitioners? 
Um, yes. And that symbol, I'll, I'll tell you, we call it the trishul. It's actually, it's like a, a trident of light. And that's our basic symbol. And what you can do is you can, it's almost like you can like hold that symbol in front of you and imagine, you don't have to imagine, it just like you, it creates a boundary or a barrier. Or you could envision thousands of these little trishuls interlocking and creating a capsule around yourself. It's a chain mail. It's like you can, then you can see through the mesh, but nothing comes through. So we use symbols like that in, in various ways. And there's several other symbols we also use. It's good to be attuned to these symbols to receive the empowerments first in order to use them. But these are things that people can work with on their own as well. But yeah, and one of the, it, it's not just Kaliki Reiki, but Reiki in general, by using these symbols, I think. It's one of the things about Reiki that's unique. So many of the different energy healing systems just don't have something that's built in to to protect the healers. I, I tell a story in the book of this amazing shamanic healer from Africa, Mandaza, who's just, he's an incredible natural healer. And he used to come to my area once a year and we would exchange healings. And one year when he came, he had this big goiter and his coloring didn't look good. And I was very concerned and I felt, I felt like he was absorbing people's energies. And this was early on in my master career. And I shyly suggested to him, maybe it would be good to give you the Kali Chi Reiki master attunements. You're already a master healer, but this might be helpful. And to my surprise, he was delighted. And so we did, and we did some an exchange between that Reiki and some shamanic work. We went to the ocean. It was amazing. And anyway, the next year he came back and it was just like the picture of health. And that was all he needed was to have that extra layer of protection. And so I think those systems that don't have something like that built in, it's just very important because so many people who are healers, they're very, they're sensitives. And so they, the part of the reason they are healers is because they're so empathic and they're receiving all the time. But it's one thing to get the messages. And it's another thing to absorb all that energy. And I have to say, all my years as a psychotherapist for me was also, were also helpful in that way of learning not to take on other people's mm -hmm. issues. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a huge lesson learning, wisening. <laughs> yeah. For all of us who are helpers. Absolutely. Absolutely. And learning to ground ourselves and remembering to take time between people and all of that. Yeah. What I found really fascinating, Raja Shrima, is that it seems like as an outsider looking in that the traditional Reiki systems attempt to keep their symbols secret. And looking at Kali Kireiki, you share the symbols freely, which is wonderful. Why is it kept a secret in some of the... Yeah, so I think it's very interesting. I re remember that Reiki was first introduced around 1900 and into the Japanese culture, which actually is was a very private, secret-oriented culture, at, at least in, in those days, the religious culture. And so I think there's the, there are those 
origins. But nonetheless, as Reiki came out into the world, right, it was considered like you learn these symbols and as a student and you never, you never show them to anyone, you never share them with anyone. And then with the internet, things changed and many people started sharing so that you can find those traditional Reiki symbols all over the internet. Chokurei, Hoshaze Shonen, Seheki, they're out there. But it took me a long while to really come to a sense of certainty and clarity about sharing the symbols. I had always felt like she was telling me, yes, it's okay. But I was still very hesitant about it. And I finally got to the point of I couldn't write the book about Kali Ki Reiki without including the symbols. That would, I don't know, would be like writing something about the human organs or something without any pictures, so to speak. So anyway, but it took me quite a long time to really be okay with doing this. And what I invite people to do, if you haven't received the attunements from a master, a Kali Ki Reiki master, the attunements are like the initiation to the symbols, which makes you a, a practitioner. If you haven't received those then to use these symbols as what in yoga we call yantras, objects of meditation, and experience them as you will, you know, what, however they show up to you. And so that's the invitation. And yeah, I'm actually looking forward now that the book is out and the symbols are available through the book to seeing how how people respond to them in general. But it's not like we're broadcasting them all over the internet. Not that may not happen. We don't have that kind of control. But so this is the first level of the revelation of the symbols that many of us have been working with for many years out into the general public. And there will be those, I'm sure, in the traditional Reiki circles who may criticize this, but when you get the go-ahead, you get the go-ahead. Mm-hmm. Which leads me to another question that I had. And I read when I was doing research on you, I read that you, to describe yourself as what Wayne Teasdale refers to as a practical mystic. What does that mean? Yeah. Thank you for asking that. Yeah. Brother Wayne Teasdale also wrote a book called A Monk in the World. And that's how I feel too, is like I'm a monk in the world, so to speak. But a practical mystic to me is, yes, these symbols were mystically revealed, right? And we've got this whole philosophy underpinning them, limitless love, the love force, the wisening, and relating it to some esoteric yogic concepts and all of that. But when it comes right down to it, these symbols are just meant to help people feel more whole, to feel physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. And so there's a very practical application to them. And that's why they're here. So yes, we talk about the whole wisening process, which can be can lead many of our students have visions and mystical experiences and whatever, but not everybody does. 
to a person, everyone experiences the healing, holing benefits of the system. And that's, to me, that's what it's all about, right? Yes, wonderful. And so many people are in need of healing, especially people who have been experiencing persistent pain. And there's something you talk about in your book, D-R-O-P, the drop. Yes. Can you explain that to us, please? <laughs> the drop method. Deep release of persistent pain patterns. Mm. And the drop method, actually, I modeled it after something called emotional body healing that my Reiki teacher's teacher, Dr. Susanna Lepke, developed. And it's a beautiful, and actually she's getting a lot of, there's a lot of research happening in Germany on her method, which is fabulous. So the drop method employs both Reiki healing and we take people through a, a dialogue with their pain, with their trauma, with those persistent patterns. And so they get the benefit of the deeper Reiki, relaxation, the protection of the Reiki as they're addressing their own pain. And we guide them through this dialogue that, that they say out loud. And the key to it is that when we welcome and greet in our pain, whatever it may be, our trauma or whatever, we greet it with love. We welcome it with love. And it can be very odd because we say to them, now please say, my pain, I love you. And sometimes that's very hard for someone to say out, out loud. And then it's kind of like, just humor me. And so they do. And there's something that just opens up. Even if they don't feel it, even if they don't feel love for it, just saying that, my pain, I love you. And then my pain, what can I do for you? So we dialogue with it. And then they get their responses, whatever they may be. And then we keep going and we keep going. So it's it's similar, that part, in some ways to the focusing techniques of Eugene Genlin and some of the trauma therapies that are used these days, some of the somatic therapies that are used these days for trauma. But the dialogue itself is very specific. It's very simple. And then they start with the Reiki. As they're talking to their pain, I'm offering Reiki to that area of the body where the where they're feeling it. And we continue until there's resolution. And then they just get a deep relaxation in the Reiki love force for another many minutes. So compared to some of the psychotherapeutic trauma techniques, I find that it's very powerful, but also gentler. When you're dealing with trauma, it's tough. So we want it to be as loving and safe as possible. Of course, every person, every soul is different or every story is different. So maybe this is not a question that has a definitive answer. But for those in the audience who are curious, how often would somebody have to receive a Reiki healing in order to get an effect, benefits, or even healing? 
Yeah. So usually people really experience something the first time. Um, and minimally, they feel a profound relaxation, which <laughs> all of us need. And all of us are usually grateful to get. And for some people, that's it. They're good to go. But for other people, like you said, it's just so in, it's so individual. But it's never, it's not usually like a long-term kind of therapy or treatment. Even the DROP method, when we're working with people's trauma, sometimes three, four, six sessions are plenty, and they don't have to be spaced all that close together. And then some people just love it, and they just, they want to continue, and they just do it regularly, whatever that means for them. But that's something we work together with our client in terms of what they feel like. In terms mm -hmm. of frequency. It's got to be a collaborative approach. Yes. And the healing comes from within, as I understood it. And the Reiki helps to activate that. In your book, you say there's a beautiful sentence in your book, to heal one is to heal all. Can you expand on that, please? Yeah. So anytime any of us experiences a healing of any sort, it doesn't have to be Reiki. Whatever work we do with people, whenever we just feel love, there, that is a vibration within us that is transmitted out, whether we're intentionally doing that or not. So more specifically, when we're doing a Kali Ki Reiki session, and there's this transformation of consciousness, this feeling so much better, that person goes out and they are different in the world, even, even if it's for a short time, or even if it's not dramatic. And I would say this is just true in general, right? When any of us get into a place of pure love, of pure awareness, of pure presence, that is transmitted and it is received and it does change things. We've all had that experience, right? We're talking to a shop clerk who's just had a terrible day and we just offer a loving smile. And everything shifts. Yeah. Yeah. So it's as simple as that, right? And then the beauty of it, of course, is it feels so monumental to think about the healing our culture, healing our earth, healing. But we work on an individual basis. And, yes, it's making a difference. Mm -hmm. We all need to feel that, right, that we're making a difference. 100%. Roger Trima, I'd like to share with the audience about some of your offerings. You have founded the Wisdom School up in Northern California, Napa, to be exact. Can you tell us what's happening there? Yeah, so the Wisdom School is the home of Kali Ki Reiki, and we offer several, I call them satsangs, gatherings a week on Zoom, so anybody is welcome to, to join us three times a week. And then we offer classes in meditation. I haven't even mentioned how integral 
a meditation practice is to Kaliki Reiki. We consider it to be the second wing of Kaliki Reiki, the two wings of healing and meditation, and that's how we soar. So we have various workshops and practices in that. And of course, we I have there are five teachers. We teach both online and in person, Kaliki Reiki. We have a couple retreats a year. Yeah. We, I mean, we have a lot of offerings. Check us out at thewisdomschool.us. You've got to do the .us thing or you're going to get to a wisdom school that's a kid's school in India. <laughs> but I'll make sure to also put that in the show notes. Mother, there's a question I asked every guest. And you've, of course, already shared a lot with us about different practices, but is there a specific practice, maybe one that has accompanied you for a long time or something new you've come across that elevates your experience in some form that you could share with us? Yes. How much time do we have? Oh, as much as you'd like. <laughs> okay. Okay. This Actually, you know what? No, I'll share the Breathing with the Beloved because I mentioned that. Okay. So I would just invite everyone to close their eyes. And just be aware of your breath. If you can, just breathe in and out through your nostrils. That's great. If you need to use your mouth, feel free to do that. And then imagine someone sitting across from you. Someone who is beloved to you. And this can be a person living. It can be someone you love who has departed. It could be a celestial being, a divinity. And just imagine that you're sitting across from one another and you're looking into one another's eyes and pure love. You can actually see your own reflection in their eyes. And you both see them looking at you with pure love. And when you look at your own reflection in their eyes, you see this pure, limitless love. Now begin to tune into their breath. And imagine that as they exhale through their nostrils, that breath comes to you and you inhale and then as you exhale they inhale in they exhale you inhale you exhale they inhale and you might actually begin to see this like a sideways eight or the infinity loop of breath between you. Exhaling, they inhale as you, as they exhale, you inhale. And this just loops around so that it is one breath. Inhaling. And exhaling the breath of limitless love. 
And if you were to continue this practice for a while, it might be that you thank this beloved and invite another one in. Again, it could be someone on this plane, this dimension, someone who's passed, someone who lives in the celestial realms, a light being, perhaps a teacher, a divinity. And once again, you gaze lovingly into each other's eyes, seeing in their eyes your own reflection and knowing that their reflection is seen in your eyes. And the breath goes back and forth, crossing in the center, creating that infinity horizontal figure eight. So for brevity, thank that being, and then come back into your own breath. Inhaling down to your root, exhaling to the core of the earth, and then take a great big inhalation up to the layers of the earth, the layers of your body, to above your crown, and on your exhalation, let that energy wash around your light body, your aura. And feel yourself in your own body, rooted and grounded. And as you're ready, gently allow your eyes to open. So one can do this breath loop for as long as you like and with as many beloveds as you like. Thank you, Raja Srima. This was deeply, profoundly relaxing and just peace. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. What a beautiful practice. Thank you so much. Oh, (laughs) much needed. (laughs) Oh, I'm so glad. You want to tell us what being showed up for you? I had a dark-haired, blue-skinned, neither female nor male being a deva, I would say, sit cross-legged in front of me. I spent years four, five, and six of my life in India, actually, New Delhi, so it may have been influenced by some of my experiences there, and of course, also your lineage. And yeah, I was just very loving, very peaceful, very aware, without any attachments. Serene experience. Oh, it's beautiful. So you saw a blue deva. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Which, of course, is Kali's color, Krishna's. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, wonderful. Thank you for sharing this practice. That was fantastic. Thank you for asking. I love it. (laughs) Mm. 
So I know that people would probably love to learn more about you and connect with you. How can they best? The website is probably the best resource. So again, www.thewisdomschool.us. And there's a contact us form and info at the wisdom school. And I will definitely at the wisdom school.us. And I will definitely see that it'll be directed to me and I will respond. And also on the website, we have several resources pages. So there's many guided meditations that breath is there and some various teachings and things. So there's a lot of resources just there on on the website. And if people are interested in learning uh, learning Kali Ki Reiki, then we have classes available and at different levels. So we have the first level, which is a weekend, the second level, which is another weekend, and then the master program is actually it's a year-long apprenticeship. Wonderful. And of course, there's your beautiful book, Made the Love Force, Be With You, and also you already mentioned it before, some of the really lovely offerings via your website, via Zoom, where people can connect and participate. So Raja Shreema, thank you so much for being with us today. This was really wonderful. I'm most grateful for your time. And I hope that we'll have uh, opportunity to connect again sometime soon. Oh, Ariana, I would love that. And I really appreciate your deep and insightful questions and observations and clearly you really looked at the book and you get it and i just i love that so thank you thank you that means a lot and it's yeah i always want to make sure each of my honored guests feels well received and just feels good Nothing is more important and valuable than sharing our essence, sharing our time. So I feel very privileged what I'm doing. Thank you. Thank you. And I'd love to have a conversation with you about your own work as well. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Superhumanize. Accelerated evolution. Evolution. 